All life is precious. And that idea, that idea changed me. It brought me back, and it keeps me living. I just don't think it can be that easy. It's not easy. I wasn't saying that. I, I, I know. And I've thought about letting that idea go. But I don't want to. You may have to. Things aren't as simple as four words. I don't think they ever were. Do you think I don't belong here? Making it now. Do you really think you can do that without getting blood on your hands? Welcome back to the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. This week we're talking about season six, episode seven, Heads Up, written by Channing Powell and directed by David Boyd. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Pop Optic Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, TV editor of popoptic.com, and I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, uh, co-founder, editor-in-chief of Pop Optic, Mr. Ricky D. Ricky, how's it going? Hey, Kate. I don't know what's most unlikely to happen. Glenn surviving a zombie attack when there's 10,000 zombies sur- surrounding him and he's lying on the ground and or him finding that helium tank because there's a, a shortage of helium in the world today. <laughs> now, was that like a thing where... They had put it there to start. Like, that's what that ha- that was, right? I didn't understand why it was there. I didn't remember. I'm sure they told us that previously. I I have no idea. <laughs> well, maybe our guests this week can help us figure that out. Joining us also from, from Pop Optic, fantastic film editor, Mr. Patrick Murphy. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good to be here, guys. I also have no idea why that helium tank was there. I'm not joking, though. There's a shortage of helium in the world today. Okay. Like, like I was coordinating my summer camp for three years straight. It was almost impossible for me to get, uh, like, a helium machine for the balloons. Huh. Super expensive nowadays if you want it. That's interesting. Well, all you need is there to be is an apocalypse, and then, then you're fine. Then, like, you can just, if you don't get eaten, you can, you know, just help yourself. Yeah, you have to figure the market for, you know, balloons, helium-filled balloons went down after the apocalypse. So there probably was, were a lot of unused helium tanks around. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think that there's a walker somewhere who's like who works with helium tanks, like fills balloons for a living, who's just like continued doing that. There's so just like there's just all these <laughs> balloons. They're gonna go like full up style with it. I was actually surprised they chose the color green because normally movies or TV shows would go for the color red, like the red balloon. It's it's this classic symbol in in cinema history, right? But they went for the color green. Nice touch. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the balloons. There's, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about the balloons. Um, but before we do, we should say, as we always do, when I remember at the start of the podcast, that this episode of the podcast will only be dealing with this episode of the of the show, Heads Up, Season 6, Episode 7, written by Channing Powell, directed by David Boyd. We are not going to have spoilers for future episodes of the show. We are not going to have spoilers for things that have yet to happen in the comics. If they have already happened in the comics, we may discuss that, but... Uh, but I haven't even read them, so I can't spoil y'all even if I wanted to. Ricky has read most of the comics. Patrick, what's your relationship with the source material? Um, I I definitely was following The Walking Dead show for probably the first three three seasons pretty steadily. Like, I, I was definitely into it then. And I've been sort of on and off since, but for the last two seasons, I've been back into it. Okay, so have you read the comics? I have not. Okay. Um, well, what? how are you feeling about the season then? As a whole... Uh, I, you know what? I'm liking this season a lot more than I've liked some previous seasons. I can tell you that. Even though there's a lot of filler in there that I've been, you know, sort of you know, ambivalent on, I, I have been getting into this a lot more. Well, let's start with where the episode starts. Because I think what one of the things this episode gets very right, and maybe it should have happened a couple weeks back. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But one of the things, episode, things this episode gets very right is it just starts with Glenn. It's just... If they're going to have Glenn in the episode at all, they're just going to get that out of the way. And basically what I want to say everyone, but I watched this with my brother and he doesn't do Twitter. So he had no idea that there had been all this discussion. He just assumed Glenn was dead. Um, So I can't say what everyone expected to happen happened. But with everybody who's been involved in like the the discussion online was expecting to be the case, turned out to be the case. Uh, Ricky, I'm going to throw to you. 
how did, did how did you feel about the way that they handled you know Glenn surviving and were you happy to see him back? Did it like just your relief of him being alive? Trump any frustrations at how the the showrunners have handled this? No, I mean I'm I'm still kind of annoyed, but I'm glad they got it out of the way. Like it took up what five minutes of screen time at the beginning of the episode, so that was cool. But I still think they're trolling the audience, like. You know, and it's problematic, again, when you have a show like The Talking Dead and each and every single time a character dies, each week they have this memorial, right? And they show clips of the person dying with this, like, sad music playing over top of the, the images. And so we didn't get an image of Glenn dying three weeks ago. And they also removed his name from the credits. And, you know, it doesn't help. We have the Internet and set photos and Twitter and the whole thing is just really annoying. But you know what? I keep on bringing up a show called The Leftovers, which I think is a far better show and not to spoil anything. But somebody died in The Leftovers last week and the Internet didn't like blow up saying, did the person die? Did a person not die? Because it is somewhat left unsure. But we know that the person's dead because of the way the showrunners treat the characters in the show as opposed to The Walking Dead. Like, The Walking Dead likes to troll the audience, and I find that kind of annoying. Um, I have a question for you, though, and I, I think the answer is yes. But has there ever been a show in the history of television in which they leave it up to an audience to decide if a character lives or dies? There have definitely been shows that have removed characters uh, after seeing the audience reaction to them. Absolutely. That happens. I can't think of anything that would be similar to, you know, the very famous vote, like call in and vote situation with Robin, where they expected the audience to save Robin and they clearly did not know their audience. Um, uh, so, so I can't think of anything that, that relates to that famous example, but um, even just something like a couple years ago on the good wife, this is a, a easy example to go to. They, they introduced one of the main characters or one of the main supporting characters, like, long lost, oft alluded to creepy ex-husband and did a whole thing with that. Those planned to run an entire season. And then they realized it was a terrible idea and everybody hated it. And so they wrote the character off and just like Poochie went back to his home planet. So that is a thing that, you know, that has happened as, as high profile and recently uh, as just a couple years ago on The Good Wife. And it certainly is a thing that has happened time and again where and like they expect someone to be a one-off character but they get you know they they work well and they're popular so they become a major figure or you know the, vice versa an actor is difficult or the audience hates them and so they just write somebody off but i can't think of like a literal vote right. example okay well did you watch a talking dead i did not uh i was watching many other things instead <laughs> I don't normally watch a Talking Dead, but I've been watching it recently because of the whole Glenn thing and Scott M. Gimple was on the show and he raised a really good point. He was like he wanted to give the audience the same sort of feeling of uncertainty that Maggie has. So she doesn't know if he's alive and he wanted the audience to feel that. And that's cool. But again, the problem is the execution. It's the way they ended that specific episode three weeks ago with the shot held on Glenn for like about a minute or two in slow motion at times with that music swelling in the background and the shot of the intestines being torn apart. And, you know, it's funny because online people have been going crazy. Like people have actually gone out and filmed themselves crawling under a dumpster and lying underneath a dumpster for like hours to prove it is possible. <laughs> like that's how crazy <laughs> are, okay? But again, it's the execution because I, I don't know, like maybe – if they just cut away and the next week we went to the Morgan flashbacks and maybe instead of waiting an extra week, they, 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 uh, they address the Glenn situation, say last week, I think people would have a different reaction to it. Um, I think the way they framed it too, that was where the real trickery lied because the way they shot that scene at the end of that episode made it really look like Glenn was getting eaten there. And even though there were a lot of theories that, that it was, you know, the body on top of him that was, that was happening, the way they framed that was way, they, they went too far in trying to trick the audience. That's what I'm right saying. And, and, and there's things that they could do too. Like, for example, removing his name from the credits was, stupid okay mm -hmm. they could have easily done something where i mean we had a whole entire episode that was a flashback we could have had a quick flashback to glenn and maggie in the past so it explains why his name is still on the credits you know what i mean there was ways to go around to doing this so you're not trolling the audience it's right. just very manipulative is what it i think that's what people are rebelling against because if they wanted 
you know, I, I understand where the showrunner is coming from, where he says he wants the audience to feel what Maggie would feel. But what Maggie feels is uncertainty. What we feel is we watched him theoretically get his intestines ripped out. That is not uncertainty. That's com the complete opposite of it. That's the audience, the, the, the writers manipulate and the directors and the editors um, manipulating the audience to to be upset. Mm -hmm. um, so if they wanted us to feel what Maggie was feeling, they would have like shown them falling down into the walkers and then like, I don't know, panned up as the walkers are eating Nicholas and how could he possibly survive like that? That would have given us uncertainty, but that's, I mean, so I think they're in, I get where they're coming from, but I think it's just a very strong misjudging. And when you talk about the leftovers, I think that's an excellent comparison point with the leftovers, the way that they did a similar kind of uncertainty was they they didn't try to they didn't end the episode with oh it looks like the person's dead how are they going to get out of this one they ended it with um they look like they're dead but there's somebody else there so it will feel natural it won't feel like a cheat if like they rush into the hospital or something um mm -hmm. so just keeping their options open and making sure that they are respecting the, the audience's investment in these characters and not um, putting them through trauma just to put them through trauma. It, it feels like when you, you if, if you're just like kind of laughing at, at someone for, for being vulnerable, you know, like, like you made us upset that Glenn was horribly died. And then you went, aha, he wasn't really dead. Don't you feel silly for having been upset? I still think this wouldn't be a problem if we didn't have social media like Twitter, for example. You know what I mean? Like, and all, or even a show like The Talking Dead. We wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, but we have that. So they need to, you know, if they're going to engage with the audience in the way that they did, they could have done gone to radio silence. That would have been fine. They could have not released a statement to The Talking Dead. They could have, you know, told The Talking Dead that he was dead. <laughs> like, they they could have done a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. I so, think we still would have had the same problem, though, because anybody who watched the show knows that no major character dies without another major character or somebody seeing them die. Like, there's always visual confirmation of every single death on the show of a major character. So for him to have died and be and have nobody around to actually witness it, like, we all kind of knew it. Was, I don't know. You just knew that there was something off in the back of your I mind don't, I don't know. while Game you're of, watching this. Game of Thrones is famous for killing off characters, especially at unexpected moments, going all the way back to season one. And there's been times where we've seen characters killed off screen and we are not sure. Like Kate and I do a Game of Thrones podcast and there's been quite a few times where we don't actually see the kill on screen, but it's implied that the person's dead and the person's dead. That's it. The person's dead. There's no mm -hmm. trolling the audience. There's no removing names from credit sequences and putting them back. Um, you know, like The Walking Dead has a huge problem in how it kills off its uh, its characters as compared to shows like The Leftovers or Game of Thrones or just about any show on television, which is which is a shame because, you know, like it, it, this brings me to Rosita and her speech. And thank God this lady has lines this week. Uh, Christian Serratos is the name of the actress whose name I keep on forgetting. So I'm going to mention it today. Um, she's not a great actress. I'm just going to put it out there. She's not very good. She's OK, I guess. But compared to the rest of the cast, she's like weak. But she gets, I think, the best two lines of the episode. And, I mean, in life in general, like, you have life and death. Those are the two, two certainties, right? And in the show, like, you know people are going to die. It's just a question of when. But we want to see these people live. And I think she, her two lines have, have pretty much wrapped up five years of me, six years of me podcasting. Like, what I want from The Walking Dead. It's to see these people actually want to live and what they do with their lives. Because we know they're going to die. Even without zombies, you would still die, right? And and so, like, I don't know. When, when they fuck up things like characters dying, it just upsets me. Because that shouldn't be something that they're screwing up. Like, for this kind of show. That should be simple and to the point, And they should understand how to do it properly. And respect the characters and the audience. Because it shouldn't be about trying to sell the show because who's going to die next. That's not why you should be selling the show. And that's not what makes the show good. When the show is good, it's not because somebody dies. It's because we care if they die. <laughs> well, they're trying to sell a cold, brutal world, but they can't. They can't treat any of their characters that way. And that creates situations like this as well, where people kind of understand the rules. And with a show like Game of Thrones, there aren't any rules. Somebody could just go at any moment, you feel like. But And you're right, that's not the draw of the show, but that's the... You know, th that's the actual danger that the characters are in. And here we kind of, with The Walking Dead, you know the rules in, in a way because they've set them up pretty well over the last six seasons. So it's, you always know when, the, when, when it, something's off if they're trying to troll you. 
Yeah, again, it's an idea that I come back to. I'm sure our listeners are tired of me saying it, but shows teach you how to watch them. And by the time we're in a season six, we know what The Walking Dead does and what it doesn't, what it's willing to do and what it's not willing to do. And when you have different showrunners of the, the, the history of a show like The Walking Dead has had, that gives you opportunities to change the rules, but they haven't done that. They've they've stayed very true to, you know, like Rick keeps getting out of situations that would kill any anyone because he's the main character. So what that tells the audience, like the first time, oh, he's lucky, the second, third, fourth time this is just how the show works and that's fine that's there's nothing wrong with that but then to to try to you know once you've established your rules you unless you're gonna have a game-changing moment and introduce a new time new era for the show uh you're kind of stuck with the the rules and the uh relationship with the show that you've built up for the audience you built up and uh, allowed or prompted the audience to have now Mm -hmm. speaking of these rules how does, you know, Glenn being alive at the beginning and, and Enid is there and apparently it looks like she's not a wolf. She just pieced out separately at the end of the, you know, the previous time we saw her. Um, how does their survival and specifically Glenn's survival after these insane odds affect the end of the episode for you guys? Are you concerned about anybody dying in the, the finale next week with the wall down? Hmm. Well, there's like three cliffhangers this week. <laughs> There's not one, there's three. One of which I almost guarantee is another troll, but... Yeah. Well, it, it's okay for showrunners to misdirect viewers, but it's a completely different thing when you have to stretch the the possibilities and or the reality, even in a zombie apocalypse. Like, within this universe, there are still rules to the world, right? You're not going to see, for example, Carl fly all of a sudden. This isn't a superhero show, Right. Um, I, you know what? I will say this. I do like the ending of this episode. So, and actually, I kind of like this episode, although I'm not really a big fan of this character, Enid, but I do like the way it ends because I think it's been a while since I've really felt invested in the character Maggie. And now she's, um, she's back in the forefront for me. Like she's in the spotlight. She's one of the characters who I want to follow around once again, because She's been in the background for way too long, and I love the heart-stopping final scene, especially with the green balloons. I thought it was a beautiful touch, and I i mean, I called it, like, last season. I said the walls are going to come down, guaranteed next season. Like, you have to have the walls come down, at least at one point in time. Alexandra is going to stay put. Like, they're not moving away from this location, and it's clear from this episode because of the plans that Michonne's looking over. So we know they're going to stay in in Alexandria, but I just hope to God nobody dies next week. Like, I think they need an episode uh, in which these characters actually work as a team and survive. The Alexandrians certainly need that um, because they, you know, most most of the Alexandrians, uh, basically the ones who we don't know their name, need a win and need to understand that they can beat back the walkers. They just have to do it. Uh, It's possible. It can be done. Um, but I, but I also enjoyed how this episode was very careful to introduce some more nameless Alexandrians to get eaten next week. The red shirts. Yeah, They're... there were at least a handful of them. Really, I didn't think there was any red shirts this week. Like who? Like in the machete class, and in the oh. you know, like like yeah, you know. They're they're in the background, but they're like camera focuses on a few of them a couple times, and they don't give them names, but you know we're gonna see them get horribly eaten next week. Okay, yeah, maybe within the machete class, but uh, that's about it. I mean, we have Tobin who helps Rick on the wall when Spencer for okay, what is happening? What it, what is going on with Spencer? Like, what is he trying to do? I was totally <laughs> confused. Okay, <laughs> he was trying to Batman his way over to the other, uh, like across the walkers, so he could get out to get to a car to drive to draw the the walkers away. And because he's not Rick or Glenn, it didn't work. Is he Batman? <laughs> That was the point in the show where they needed something dangerous to happen, where they needed some excitement, and they just concocted this ridiculous scheme. Uh, and they had this character do something just completely stupid. But I like that he's at least trying. And I liked when when he when Rick is trying to chastise him and say you should have come to me, and 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 he's I love that uh, Spencer called him on his bullshit. It's like, okay, I could have, but you would have just shot me down and not listened to anything I had to say because I'm not in your group. So. Yeah, I, I like that That at least in that moment, the, the show or the Alexandrians are saying, you want to lead us, but you won't listen to us, and we you won't let us help you, so why should we listen to you? Hmm. 
It's still a stupid plan. Oh, yeah, stupid plan. <laughs> Get a sturdier-looking uh, grappling hook at the very least. Although I do like the fact that Tara flips the bird to Rick Grimes. By the way, so they can't swear on the show, but I guess they can flip the bird. Yep. Mm. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see that. That was great, though. <laughs> it's a good way around it, too. It's the second time someone's flipped the bird to uh, the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, Patrick, what do you think about, about next week? About uh, are, are you concerned about any of the characters dying? No, not any of the main characters, no. I think it is just going to be some of the ancillary characters that, that bite the dust just to have some, some good gore in there. They're going to have to kill off some people, obviously. You can't have, from what it looked like uh, in the you know the, the previews for next week, Somebody's going to have to go. This isn't going to be easy for them to to get all of these zombies, these walkers out. So. Really, I, I I don't think they have to kill anybody. I mean, look, one of the cliffhangers is the fact that Ron is stalking Carl and he's got bullets and a gun, and clearly he hates Carl. And there's every reason I hate Carl because Carl's so goddamn condescending to him. <laughs> oh, um, he's a douche in this. He was a total dick. Such in this an idiot. <laughs> and he doesn't even realize it. That's what kills me. Watching, I was like, oh, you're being such a dick, and you don't even you don't even get it because you're just. Oh, oh, Carl. Yeah, because your your dad is Rick Grimes. But uh, what I see happening is I see Ron shooting Carl, and that is the cliffhanger. No, okay. you really? See, yeah. I see them completely fooling the audience here, and Ron's really just, like, going to come up to Carl and say, hey, I found some bullets, want to go shoot some soda cans. I, I, I think they're completely misleading us. That's the sense that I got, that this is that there's actually nothing nefarious going on here but the music made it seem like it was so that's what was going to happen maybe but i mean look if the wall didn't come down okay they can go shoot soda cans but the wall came down he's not gonna be like hey carl let's go shoot soda cans well there's like ten thousand zombies running around our community so then for them- he'll save carl's life that's, <laughs> that's my prediction that he'll uh, save carl's life no way no way i don't think anything's gonna happen to carl um i think i think that that is probably what ron is intending right now but as soon as you know there's walkers everywhere i think he'll instead shoot the walkers and then they'll team up and then they'll be bros no i, I and then it'll show up in drama i'm not saying he's <laughs> going to kill carl but he's going to at least try to shoot him okay i could even, see him like holding the gun up chaos. and like even if it's accidental okay interesting uh, that's an interesting take that could happen well, At least that would lead somewhere interesting as opposed to him, you know, just going out there and trying to shoot him. The only person that's safe is Sam because Sam is being smart. He's hiding in his bedroom. Okay? <laughs> that was so much fun. I mean, having Carol walk around with a uh, little ass kicker was delightful as well. Cause it's like, it's little ass kicker and big ass kicker. Um, but you know, I, I really enjoyed that relationship with Carol and Sam. I like that they brought that back however briefly and you know, Carol giving like the least comforting, advice ever it's like no 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 we kill people so that we don't become monsters now do you uh, think she kind of changed her mentality right after she said that there was a meaningful pause and it lasted only you know a half a second but i saw a look on carol's face that made her que- seem like she was questioning her own you know ethos here thoughts ricky um her scene parallels glenn's scene with enid you basically have two adults who are trying to reassure two kids that there's a purpose in life there's a reason to keep on going uh but yet you have to be a realist like you have to realize that we're trying to stay alive not to become one of these monsters um it's i don't know it it was weird um it's 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 i'm not entirely sure what carol feels at the moment because also we haven't had a lot of screen time with her uh she's clearly not the same person she was in season one but glenn for example is the exact same character he was when we first met him in episode two of season one i believe yeah second episode of season one he's still hopeful he still is willing to give someone a chance he's still the nice good guy like his character hasn't really changed and and that's that's a good thing like you know what i mean he's still um he's still just the same person he always was like he's he, he hasn't changed him as a person the zombie apocalypse i'm not entirely sure how to answer your question patrick i like <laughs> that's one of the things i really like about glenn um just because the show can be so oppressively dark at times, I think it's important to show that, uh, and, and maybe it just it lines up more with my philosophy, but uh, this notion that just like there are people who were pieces of shit before the apocalypse, uh, there are people who are, are and, and, every, and so many people are pushed darker and, and more um, uh, violent and aggressive based on, you know, the apocalypse. Uh, there are still some people 
who are able to survive, who are capable, who don't lose their um, their humanity. I, I like that there's at least Glenn, you know, to represent that. Um, yeah, it's it's an important element. He's like the only one. It's because he's still having sex for crying out loud. Like I'm not joking. Like the, the dude is still living his life. Like he still cracks jokes. He still wants to do fun things. He still wants to live a life. He wants to have a kid. And of course, he's scared. Like I mean, they 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 now are going to have a child that they're going to bring into this zombie world. But that's what I'm saying. He's still human. Like, and he's the only person who hasn't killed anybody. Yeah. Important so what happens when when he's when he's forced to do that? Are we going to see a more morose Glenn? Because you know a lot of those characters that have gone to the dark side, they have been forced to do horrible, horrible things, and we haven't had. I mean, it's nice having Glenn be this the same person that he was when he entered the show, but at some point, I mean, as they've been talking about, at some point in this world, like what Carol said, you're going to have to to kill those monsters. I can see Glenn killing someone in self-defense, but I can't see Glenn killing someone just because he can. That kind of ties in with what they what was going on with what's been going on with Morgan as well. Um, what they, all the characters are telling Morgan, you know, can you live in this world with, with that philosophy that you know all life is precious and you don't want to necessarily kill somebody just because you can? I really liked the scene that they gave Morgan. Both with Rick and uh, and sorry with Denise, and then later with the the council, I thought that was a really good scene and uh, a necessary one to to allow us to connect back more with him, given you know the events of this season and and the fact that Rick easily could have been killed by those wolves that he let go. I, I like that Morgan gets to back that up with you didn't kill me and you know we've all everybody at this table has been like nuts at one point or another so yeah i, I liked that they at least i thought gave him a solid defense what did you guys think of that scene well you know what michonne responds and michonne is not on his side completely but i think she sympathizes with his point of view as opposed to like say carol and rick but she replies she's like it's not as simple as four words but my argument is or my rebuttal would be well you are trying to find the easy way out and the easy way out is just to kill everyone in sight as opposed to morgan who's actually trying to do the right thing and it's clearly hard to do especially in this world but he's trying to find a way to to live and do the right thing you know what i mean like and like i think that's i think morgan's philosophy is going to impact the next season like i think eventually we're going to have to I wouldn't say change the leader. Like I think Rick Grimes is still going to be the leader, but we're, we're going to ha- the whole group is going to have to change their point of view and how they treat people. Like for example, like Daryl too was arguing a, f- a couple of weeks ago where he wanted to still bring in new people into the community because he thinks they need more people in the community to make the community stronger, so you can grow crops and so you can everything like help out in general at like building walls and fixing walls that fall down and killing zombies. And I think. Um, I think they're going to slowly start to listen to Morgan. And I think that's why we have a wolf locked up in, uh, I don't know where he's locked up, locked up in a house. I guess it's like some uh, makeshift like jail cell. But I I think uh, that's going to play heavy into the next season and the community in general. Like they're going to start coming up with some kind of law or something. Yeah, there's, well, what I liked about that scene especially was that the the struggle that Morgan was going through in his mind is that he doesn't know what's right. And him even going so far as saying that. And I liked it. That he put that out there as his defense because none of those other characters know what's right either, and and going around killing everybody that doesn't that isn't necessarily going to produce a good result either, and it's not necessarily going to keep them safe. Like you just don't know how how things are going to turn out. And when he t- tells Rick, like you know, you know, you you let me live, and like nobody knows how things are going to turn out in the end, so it's really hard to tell in a world like this what is right. And how the what the future holds, depending on what decision you actually make at any given point in time, and that he's willing to err on the side of letting people live. That could lead to something like those wolves going and ambushing Rick in the RV. Like that—that's the kind of thing that that can happen. And he—he's not for that, but he—he's just—he's willing to err on the side of life as opposed to death. Yeah, but you don't know, like. I mean, me personally, if I was in the zombie world, I would be siding more with Glenn and Morgan. Like, I, I personally would not be able to kill those like four or five people because they weren't even attacking him at that point in time. I mean, like, it wasn't like his life was in danger. Like, he had the whole situation under control. For him to kill those four or five people, he's killing those four or five people in cold blood. It's completely different than say someone's about to shoot him. He turns around really quick and shoots the guy in self defense, so he doesn't get shot. It was a completely different scenario. 
It's hard to say in that world because there would be a part of you that would want to just sort of make sure that, that things are going to be okay. And even though you might know that these guys are dangerous and therefore you're just willing to remove them as another danger, another threat out there for you to have to face maybe somewhere down the line. You're just kind of ridding the world. It's kind of the same reason they just – the way I feel, they just stab random walkers you know, along the road. Like just take them out if you can. And you're just ridding the world of one more threat. And I, I can see how that mentality could become popular. I can see how that it's pragmatic, actually. But it doesn't, you know, it, it, you do. There's a loss of your humanity when you start thinking like that, for sure. I really don't get the aversion, the some of the characters, and like we see it this week. We, we they talked about it last week. We see it this week with Glenn have to something like Enid killing the walker who's reaching out for them along the road. Why is that a bad thing to do? And he just did it earlier in the episode with the guy on the fence. Yeah. Like, why is that a bad thing? Like the best thing that can happen is this creature continues to starve, like to, to non-existence. That's the best thing that can happen. <laughs> the only other thing that could happen is that somebody gets eaten by this thing. So why is it a bad thing for Enid to go over and finish it off. Now, I got the sense that maybe it was because he he didn't want someone young doing like the the mentality that she had. Maybe he was just sort of looking at her and he had an aversion to somebody that young having that mentality already of just being able to walk up to something and kill it without feeling anything. I don't know. That that's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, I'm as confused as you as to why he really cared that she did that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I just remember when, you know, Morgan and, like, the whole clearing issue was first introduced in the show. I was like, thank you, somebody who's like, any walker we can safely kill, we should kill them because they are a threat. And if they are not a threat now, they will eventually become a threat. Uh, that part of the clear philosophy really made sense to me. The I will also kill all the living people thing that came this season, not so much. But it's it's like the conversation we had with uh, Sasha and uh, and and Abraham. The previous week. Now he's doing it because he's got a bit of a death wish, but I still agree with the fundamental principle, I must say. Uh, and speaking of, of that conversation, anybody else concerned that Rosita's going to bite it now that they've given her dialogue? And uh, <laughs> we know that uh, Abraham is going to go break up with her so he can go out with Sasha. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought about that, especially because Abraham and Sasha hooked up. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, look, eventually this character is going to die. Uh, it's just a question of when. I just don't think it should be next week. I think it's too soon to kill someone off. Okay. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen next week. Um, it's 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 tough to say. I, probably, but I don't think next week is, is the right time. It wouldn't, wouldn't be a good enough moment, I don't think. Fair enough. Uh, were we glad to see uh, that former Alexandrian again and his letter. Are you guys glad that, that the letter made a return? Oh, right. <laughs> That's the thing that happened. Tying up loose ends. <laughs> yeah. I guess it gives Glenn hope that everyone else survived because he's the only body he sees lying around. And we do get a, a glimpse of the, uh, the note. Did, did Glenn take the note, by the way? Yeah, he took the yeah, note. I, and I assume yeah. people deliver it. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was a nice, it was a nice tie-in, I guess, to that that episode. But you know, other than that, I didn't really. Well, there is one question that's left unanswered, and it's because we didn't return to Daryl, but it's the cliffhanger from last week. Who's on the walkie-talkie? Because clearly, it's not Glenn. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know, I, I think they had actually. I think Daryl, uh, um, what is his name, Dixon, had um, said that. It wasn't going to be Glenn anyway. I, you know, I read that already at some point. The, oh, um, the actor. Um, oh, right. Okay. Probably because they were asking if like Glenn's still alive, and he can't, of course, answer the question. So he, he couldn't answer the question, but he did say that the voice on the other end of the wall he talked he was not Glenn. So okay. Well, it could definitely it could still be Alexandria if they have like just gotten back into range with Alexandria. It could be anybody there. Um, I'm trying to think of other because for me this is another kind of uneventful episode because so many people and you know here on the podcast that would include us had anticipated almost exactly what happened with glenn um for me this was actually a rather uneventful episode it was another one so after starting out so strong the season kind of 
I feel like it's really screeched to a halt and uh and and it's not been as successful for me. So while I liked some of these scenes we got here as a whole, I was I was less uh enamored with this episode than it was with say the first three or four of the season. Mm-hmm. Um the only other thing that I could talk more about would be Enid and how I was so on board for Glenn to just knock her out <laughs> and just take <laughs> she would just leave again so I know that would actually achieve nothing. But um, I, I think the actress has done a good job with that character, and I like that they that they didn't make her a wolf. That they have her just you know for some people, Alexandria's just not for them. I like that they are exploring that idea a little bit with her. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just kept waiting. I, I just kept wanting um, Glenn to just just knock her out and just take her back with you. It'll be easier until a walker shows up. Then it'll be harder. But still, but, but um, they, they didn't confirm that she's not a wolf. Like she was with the wolves. She had to be. Like did maybe she? clearly, clearly she doesn't have the W. If you watch any of the previous episodes or any episode with her, all the signs lead to her letting the wolves in. Okay, and then she just didn't go back to them. Well, they're all dead. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh man, <laughs> I don't think that is all, all the wolves. Who's left? I think that's all. Well, we know there's one left for sure. Who? I would assume. Oh yeah, the there's... one that was locked up. Yeah. Yeah. So I would assume they sent a raiding party, but not necessarily. That's all of them. She's she's a wolf, and we have one left who's locked up, and he's most likely going to out her, and that's okay. it. She's clearly a wolf. Okay. Or, I'm not saying like she's a wolf, like she's a wolf that she's going to go around killing people like they do. Like clearly they took her in and they used her. To get into Alexandria so she can hop the walls, as she's been doing, to give them the information that they need so they know how to raid the place and precisely when is the best time. Clearly. Okay. It could it could still be that. Uh, I just am curious as to why. If, if not, she's just a really frustrating character. I feel you. I feel you with that. Do you guys have any other thoughts about this episode that we haven't uh, kind of di- di- dove, dived in yet? With oh my goodness that we haven't dived in with yet. <laughs> um, I uh, I feel you, Kate. I don't think it's a great episode. Like I said, the problem with The Walking Dead is the seasons always start strong and then starts to slowly fall apart. And we do usually have a, uh, an exciting mid mid season finale and or season finale. But these last three episodes have been sort of like a bore for me. Um, I mean, we had Batman, I guess. That was silly, but I guess <laughs> entertaining. Um, we had the wall falling down at the end, but again, that was like the last 30 seconds of the episode. I actually uh, liked it. You know, in comparison to the last couple of episodes, I liked this one. Just, I thought that the drama, the episode was just better constructed, I think, than most. Not that a lot of stuff actually happened. I mean, really, you just had the beginning and the end where mm-hmm. things really just happened. And, and the thing is, I I hated the beginning. I mean, I was I was furious at the beginning, not because Glenn lived. I just hated the way that they did it. They were over it so quick, and for some reason, the walkers just sort of walked away. And I, I, one thing I want to ask you guys is, it, did they walk away for a reason? Was there a noise in the background? Did something draw them away, or did were we was this just supposed to be over time they left? Um, I I think it makes way more sense for something to have distracted them or drew drawn them away but we did not see or hear what that could be it doesn't make any sense for them to leave considering they should be able to smell him uh, yeah. underneath that so that makes no sense at all but no, uh, wait, there's no it, information the zombies can't smell you i mean there's it's like no it like but i that, wait then were, how does covering themselves in zombie guts help anything if yeah, they don't exactly, smell right but, yeah, there's got to be some way of sensing it. Plus, a couple of them already knew he was under there and were clawing at him, and he had to kill them. I Normally, when that happens, the rest of the zombies all just swarm. They're like a you know hive mentality when it comes to that. Hmm. And then they just sort of went away for some so, reason. So some the, of them went away, and then the rest of them went away, and I don't know. It just it, it was completely unsatisfying. Like, this is how he got out of bed. Much like with Rick just all of a sudden running home after being surrounded in the RV. <laughs> So the only sense uh, a person will hold on to after turning to a zombie is smell. And Not hearing. Sight. And hearing, right. And sight, you think? Yeah, well, they're drawn towards, they, you know, they, it seems like they have bad vision. <laughs> they still have, but you can't really tell. It's like, because you don't know if they're seeing stuff or if they're hearing stuff, and that's causing their eyes to move. Because their eyes do track things. Now, yeah. if the show were to end in 20 years... 
and they find a cure and all the zombies come back to life. <laughs> How would you feel about that ending? Uh, that would be terrible. Uh, but, however, uh, if they could make this into a sister series with uh, uh, In the Flesh, then then I'd be down. <laughs> How about we talk about uh, Carl's hat? Anybody happy to see the hat back? <laughs> oh my god! Coincidence uh, or uh, or not that the hat shows up uh, or makes its triumphant return right when Carl's being the biggest dick ever? Or it's a bit of foreshadowing because the last time he was wearing a hat, didn't something bad happen to him? That sounds right. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to see Carl wearing a pair of leather chaps and walking across a dusty road and showing having a showdown with Ron. I mean, that that's what it seemed like. He was walking on around like he should have had his thumb in his gun belt the entire time. It was, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. I, I'm not a Carl fan. I cannot stand that character. I, I have not been able to stand him since day one. Hmm. He hasn't grown on you at all then? Not at all. <laughs> nope. I'm actively rooting for his death every week. You know, I kind of feel like I want to start tweeting The Talking Dead because I only have one question for the creators of the show. I want to know what the timeline is. Like, I want to know how much time has passed since episode one. I want to know how long Glenn was under the dumpster. I want to know things like that. Because, like, like baby Judith, she's enormous. Like, the last time we saw her, she was, like, tiny. Yeah, they grow quickly. But I actually, that's one of the things I really was glad about, to see, you know, a visual of time through her growth and you know, the fact that she looks so much bigger i think is a good a good indicator and i was glad that they included that um as for glenn under the dumpster we know he was down there long enough to get really dry chapped lips and to desperately need water so mm -hmm. that mean that would imply several days but i don't know i don't know how much time has really passed since michonne and company got back it can't be days yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense with our timeline. It could if, be a day. If you're stuck yeah. under a dumpster for days, when you when you crawl out, you're not going to be able to just walk around and run that quickly. Your That's your true. muscles are going to be all cramped. You're going to be in pain. You're going to like no. He looked like Superman when he came out. Took Tw like, 24 hours, I, I would say, is not a bad guess at that. I think you could go without water for 24 hours and still be able to walk out. You'd be a little sluggish, maybe, but once you got that water, your energy would come right back. Mm-hmm. I could tell you this only because I once uh, I didn't eat for three days once, and the first bite of food I had was it was this was in London, and I had a, a hot dog off of a street cart vendor because that was the first thing that actually smelled good to me. Everything for some reason the smell of food disgusted me after a couple of days of not eating, and uh, for the next that that night I was up till six in the morning and I wanted to run sprints down the street. <laughs> I had so much energy just from eating that one hot dog and not having any food for for three days. So I can see how like all right he, he gets that that little bit of water and all of a sudden he's right back to being Superman. Mm -hmm. At least until he crashes. Well, did you guys, again, I, I guess I, I did think of another thing we haven't talked about. I like that we get um, a little bit of Denise, the psychiatrist. I like, I liked our scene with Denise and uh, Morgan. Yeah. She's a great character. When, remember when we first saw her, I was like, I want to see more of this character. I like her a lot. Um, it's, I feel bad for her though, because Morgan's like pulling her into like this, She's, I mean, she's going to be stuck in the middle of, like, Morgan versus Carol. Although, the wall did fall down, so... She's got okay. other stuff to it's deal okay with. for now. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, she's going to have to, like, sit in front of Carol while Carol basically interrogates her. Part what do you guys think Carol will do? Uh, with the wall, the baby, or Morgan? With uh, the wolf. Oh, I think she's going to try to kill him. I don't think she will. No, I don't think so either. I don't think that's going to be up to her at this point. That's going to have to involve something with Morgan. Yeah. Because they've been building up. He has to make the decision in this, ultimately, I think. And what his decision is going to be is going to have – is you know, the, those are the consequences. They'll have to deal with those. I, I really think the wolf's going to be left alive long enough for them to know that Enid was also a wolf. And I think uh, he's going to be left alive long enough for them to sort of like rethink how they're going to handle people who may attack the community. Um, what else do I think? I'm still waiting for my giraffe. I don't think we're ever... <laughs> <laughs> I did think of you when those zebras were running around uh, Philly the other week, Rick. <laughs> so close. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about uh, for our final idea then here? Any hopes for the mid-season finale? Patrick? 
Yeah, I'm hoping that honestly, I'm hoping that it's not just a quick episode where the the walkers are in and out and get pushed back out again. And I know, Rick, that you want them to, you know, you want an episode to see them all working together and everything like that. But honestly, I feel like that the Alexandrians, they're going to have to start getting hard at some point. And I don't know that I like the direction where it's this, you know, they keep repeating the same thing over and over again where Rick can't trust the Alexandrians and the Alexandrians don't know if they can trust Rick and all this kind of stuff. It's the same old arguments that they've been having over and over again. I want to see them actually get faced with the reality of the situation and step up and do something other than trying to be this idyllic little world. Either that or I want to see the walkers absolutely just raise the town and, and force these people into a survival situation again. Ricky? I kind of want to see an episode much like the leftovers where 2% of the population just disappears and we don't have to worry about them anymore. <laughs> and that's about it. Fair enough. Get rid of all the, get rid of all the characters that we don't like. And some of those zombies we don't like, cause some of the zombies are great. And some of the zombies I'm like, you shouldn't be in front of the camera. Your makeup <laughs> doesn't look good, dude. Ouch. Harsh words. Harsh words from Ricky D. Um, yeah, I think for me, I do want to see the Alexandrians get uh, pushed to, a push to action into a a point from which they can move forward and um and and so that the show can stop using the excuse of they're sheltered which i is what it feels like this mid-season finale will bring and i i hope that's the case um i'm ready i mean we've had good conversations about this it's been a new idea for the show to play with but we They've done that sufficiently in these episodes this season. We don't. I don't think we need more with that. Um, as for uh, the rest, I'm anticipating some characters getting killed or some people getting killed. I don't know if they'll be characters. Uh, certainly, some red shirt Alexandrians will get eaten. Um, but I'm not really anticipating any major deaths, like you guys have said. And uh, I think the main thing is to have. You know, I, I would. I would be surprised if we didn't end up with a. Happy reunion with Glenn and Maggie and uh, the Alexandrians successfully throwing off the, the the zombie horde, as I guess what I'm anticipating. And hopefully there'll be um, there'll be a bit more action. There'll be a bit more uh, suspense, and they'll come up with something, some some new ideas to play with in the next half season. I guess that's what that's what I'm hoping for in this mid season finale. Mm. Okay. Well, then with our hopes for the mid-season finale out of the way, I, I think that means we're, we're, we've wrapped up our conversation. Uh, thank you so much, Patrick, for coming on this week to talk Walking Dead with us. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? Uh, you can find me. I'm the uh, film editor at popoptic.com, so you can hopefully find some of my uh, writing on film there as well. I also write under the video game section. And, uh, Ricky, what's going on at Pop Optic we should talk about? Um, just the usual. got... You know, a bunch of great video game articles going up, TV articles, uh, podcasts. Um, you can listen to uh, – actually, Patrick and I do a video game podcast called N Express. So if you like video games, you should check it out. We uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We did, we did a special on Resident Evil. Uh, specifically, it talked about number four, which I think is one of the greatest games ever made. And it deals with zombies. So, um, yeah, if you like it, check it out. And uh, do play Fallout 4 and say goodbye to your life. And that's about it. <laughs> Even I've played uh, some uh, Resident Evil 4, and I just say, what are you buying? What are you selling? I mean, <laughs> everybody knows everybody knows Resident Evil 4. Um, great. I'll have to check that out. And you you guys can all find me uh, on Twitter at The Televerse. The Televerse is, of course, the TV podcast that I host over at Pop Optic, and we cover everything else on TV that isn't The Walking Dead. So that goes up every Tuesday. You guys can check that out. But that is where we'll leave things off for this week. So... Uh, thank you once more, uh, Patrick, for coming on. Next week, we'll be back to talk about the mid-season finale, season six, episode eight, start to finish, written by Matthew Negrete and directed by Michael E. Setrazimus. So until then, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week.